Welcome back to the Selfie Show, you guys. It's your girl, Tori. And Sam, uh, Selfie Show vibes strong today mm-hmm. with, like, the best guest, but... This is, okay, this guest, you guys, today, it's so crazy how the world works. <laughs> we discovered something. I don't want to give it away too much, but the universe has a really weird way of working. Let's just say that. Let's just say her and I go back from the 90s, <sighs> like the so 90s, funny. small freaking world. Dr. Allie, you guys, you are in for a real treat today. Um, she is just all the things, all the perfect selfie vibes today <laughs> for sure. And like literally it's crazy that we're wrapping up the year. Yeah. Like we have one more episode after this one. Yeah. And like we've already, like you already had your Christmas party. Yeah, we did. Which it was is wild. phenomenal. Like, I just can't like how's everything? How just does, so I know. Fast. I feel like it just happened like a year ago. We did a fabulous um, pear martini, you guys. Oh my! God. I like can't believe you make that the one time I can't go to your Christmas. I know. Party I'm sorry. We'll we'll know, have to redo. I know, but I don't like martini glasses. I would prefer it on the rocks. Okay, that's my. Here we go. Like. Other Honey, I will make you whatever your heart desires. You're a little like cocktail queen. I love it. It's fresh. We need fresh. None of this, you know, store-bought uh, syrups. You know, we go fresh here in this household. And speaking of fresh, tell everyone what you got this year for the first time. Well, second time. Okay. We got a tree. No, no, no. A real tree. A real tree. I give Tori so much <laughs> shit for fake Christmas trees. Yeah, we have one. But I this was year... so proud when I saw you post on your story, you were at the Christmas tree farm. Yes. We so did. proud. Yeah, I got, well, okay. And to clarify, I always want a tree. Yeah. But Mr. Meskin yeah, is yeah, a little, yeah. he's a little humbug over there. A little Grinch. So In his we defense, got it. he's Jewish. I know. So he gets a. He gets it's a, a fair defense, but she's so beautiful. And I did it. And it's a themed tree. No less. Love. Like I am obsessed with a themed. So I saw this tree at one of my doctor's appointments. And of course it was in Beverly Hills, right? Okay. And this tree was stunning. It was just had this feathers at the top and it's pink. And so I was like, we got to do this. I want to make it on brand. So here we are. We have a themed tree in this household now. No, I love the tree you picked too. Cause it's not like a noble fur. It has no. like, um, I, I don't the know. Name it's of it. like, it's like fluffy. It's like a it's grand cute. fur. It's, it's I don't know. Pretty. It was it's super so pretty. Nice. I did my like whole, um, Charlie Brown tree again. With, I like, love your tree. Everyone's like, what's wrong with your tree? People like mad dog me on Instagram. They're like, your tree looks like hungry. Your tree Aww, looks naked. We love your tree. Like, where, did you pick that on purpose? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, you guys, that is the vibes. I love my sad little Charlie Brown tree with like no, four branches. No, it's so cute. I think it's adorable. You do it up with I'm the like lights. keeping it that way. That's and my And your thing. perfect ornaments. Yes. Oh my gosh. I did... Um, do I got a Christmas ornament made of me, Rambo, and Moses and our matching jammies this so year? Cute. And I finally sent out Christmas cards again for the Yay. first time. Tori's always it. so good about it. Yeah, I try. You like time. have an annual card, but I finally like did it this year. I love it. And a I, little family picture. I thought it was so funny too because my Christmas card, like you know, how people put the ages of their kids on their Christmas yeah, card. Yeah, yeah. So I decided, like, my cousin was her idea. She's like, you should put the ages of your dog. Like, oh, so Rambo ten, Moses it. seven, and then I was like, oh my god, I should put like Sam thirty. <laughs> Like, and then I did like that. I did 30 with a little asterisk in it. Yeah. But then on the back of the card, I did like, you know, the asterisk and I wrote plus six years. Oh, so cute. And I was cute. like, I'm so funny. We love a creative moment. I know, it's funny. We but love that for you. What a like, it's, I feel like I was gone this whole holiday season because I was yeah. gone the 4th through the 8th and then I was gone the 11th through the 18th. I yeah. missed like the, I was traveling for work the bulk of it, yeah. but like... 
I still feel like this was a fun little like holiday season. This holiday Very quick. season has, it, it feels like, yes, one is going by so fast and I hadn't been able to decorate until the week right before we did our party. And it's like, it is crazy to me how fast time is going lately. I, I don't know what it is, but I feel like every week it's like, how is it Monday already? You yeah, know what I mean? I yeah. <laughs> so we're here for it. But this holiday season was, was very special and just, I don't know. I'm, I'm here for these vibes. We're, yeah. we're making all the good, it's been a good one. energy. Yes. Yeah, so. We love it. Um, by the time you listen to this, like it'll be coming up. Christmas is like, mm, Five days away. Yeah. Oh, Five days I out. So enjoy. Merry it. Christmas Merry to you. Christmas. Happy holidays. Ho, ho, ho. All you ho, ho, hoes. Um, okay. This is an unpopular opinion for sure. And it's on brand for this week's. Okay. Um, so mental health isn't giving a pass for bad behavior, but I do think it explains the issue. So we talk a little bit about this in this episode. Um, Kanye, right? Kanye. Kanye. Right. Here we go. So here's the thing. Yes. I've seen so many people like I love respect, like repost this whole thing. That's like mental health does not give you an excuse for shitty behavior or for like racist remarks or comments. And I'm like, all right, I get it. Like I, mm -hmm. I get, and first I was like, so true. Cause I saw one thing that was like millions of people suffer from mental health and they don't do the things Kanye's doing. It doesn't mean he gets a pass because he's Kanye and other people with mental health, like still function without like acting this way. And I'm like, at first I was like, totally. And then I'm like, wait, let's stop, mm -hmm. take a step back. And I'm like, you know what? Until I think like Tori can speak to this, you truly have someone yeah. in your family that's like bipolar and manic. Can you uh, yeah. really like understand the full complexity of it? It's not as black and white. I don't think it gives you a pass no. to just do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Like there's still consequences. Yeah. He's lost billions. He's lost deals. His career is never going to rebound and recover like from this. Yeah. And as it should, the things he said are horrible. harmful yeah. harmful they're dangerous 100 it's not okay but it explains it it explains it 100 it's so funny because for me on my, and not funny haha -ha, funny ironic <laughs> but as we have gone through this with my brother he's been off and on manic for the past three months and what's crazy and what people don't realize is when people are in manic episodes first of all they all present very differently but like kanye my brother has said and done things that he never would have said or done if he was in his right mind and so mm -hmm. what's interesting and what i think a lot of people are missing in the Kanye situation is everyone saying, well, he needs to get help and he needs to do this. And on my end, I'm like, great. Yes, he does. But guess what? Because of how he's thinking and because of where his mind is, he physically cannot do that for himself. He will not do that for himself. My brother has said it many times. There is no high, no drug, no alcohol, no anything that is good as it feels to be manic. And so in those situations where someone is potentially becoming a harm, whether it's they're saying harmful things, they're doing harmful things, they literally cannot do it without someone handholding them to do it. I mean, we were in a situation with my brother where on the last day before we finally got him admitted, I was like, he's either going to end up in jail or in you a hospital. You texted that to me. Yep. You said we're trying to get him yep. put in treatment and, and right guess, now and it's yep. either going to be this or jail today and he was literally saying some of the most horrible things i can't even tell you guys some of the things that was happening like in our household things. very hurtful very like aggressive all the things and what's crazy is 
there's no one in his life to literally take away the phone, take away all of his resources and say, you have to go get help. Like in my head, the one thing that we had in terms of leverage for my brother is the fact that he has a baby and now a future wife. And if the, if he did not shape up and start actually getting help and going to do the work and starting to get back on track, he was not going to see them anymore. That was literally the point where mm-hmm. we had to take away everything and say, you have to go get help. Mm-hmm. And there's no one in Kanye's life to do that. And so it's funny because I'm like, no, he's not getting a pass, but it is explaining why he's doing all these things. And so I think people are just missing that little extra piece of like, he literally needs someone to physically take him or like he can't have an option basically well and i think the other thing is people are like mental health doesn't like make you racist like i have a mental health disease and it doesn't like me it's like right. no mental health doesn't like make you racist but there's something about that manic like in mania episode yeah. that it's like no it doesn't make you racist but it's like he is not his, his right brain mind. is not working right yeah 100%. his brain is not working right it doesn't make him yeah. racist but it's like making him think about things in a way that like doesn't even make like we can't even begin to grasp no. or understand it because it's so far out there from the like yeah. our understanding the only way i understand it is as the family member you know and what that feels like to try and get mm-hmm. them back to their you know where they're supposed to be in the level headedness but and it takes time i mean mm-hmm. my brother did in like intensive inpatient but truly it's it's still we're still you know, in the process of getting him back to his normal. I mean, it takes, you know, weeks up to months for a lot yeah. of the meds to kick yeah. in. Um, and when you're as far into this as Kanye is, it's going to take time for him to get back to like a level place. I, I'm a little nervous for him and it, it's I'm hard. I mean, I, I can't imagine what his family is going through. You know, I do have empathy for that. And I know, of course, he's said and done a lot of really horrible things, but I still feel bad because, you know, the, at the core of this, and this is something that I have to always remind myself when Vincent is has been in these situations, is he did not ask for this. He did not wake up and say, God, please make me bipolar. Like, that is not, not his choice. Vincent. Exactly. Like, when Vincent is saying, like, the things that you're not even, like, really sharing on here that are, like, so awful and hurtful, yeah. like, that's not... It's not him. Vincent. That's yes. not him. And I remember in those... And I just hold on to that when I'm in those moments. I'm like, this is not my brother. I am talking to the mania monster. I'm not talking to my brother. Mm-hmm. And I just have to, like... That's the mantra that I keep doing so we can get him to the place where he can get help by professionals. Kind of, like, similarly, like, people with substance and alcohol abuse, like, you're like, that isn't the person that's mm-hmm. not my it's loved addiction. one yeah yep mm. yeah but this is gonna be actually this is gonna be such a fun episode you guys and i i know it's like a heavy topic but we we do get into this a little bit so we're excited to get into it with dr ali who's gorgeous by the way stunning jesus um so today we have dr allison powell hicks phd she's a mental health expert tv personality and psycho futurist we'll get into that because i didn't even know what that was she has her phd in clinical psychology and uses her expertise to coach people like you into aligning with their true purpose mind body and spirit she's also the host of like mother like daughter on discovery and the own network and when she's not coaching she is appearing on shows or consulting with media and tech companies so we can really bring the psychology to the population that need it the most dr Ali also founded the do, do 
D-O-U-X consulting group out of the desire to integrate mental health and media. So in her mind, this is really the next step in psychology. And we talk a lot about that as she's a psychofuturist and she has dedicated her life to bring evidence-based interventions to the mainstream. So as she puts it, let me help you do D-O-U-X, you baby. Let's get into it with Dr. Allie. Okay, Dr. Allie, we are going to kick this off with our spicy question. What is your unpopular opinion? I don't know how unpopular this opinion is, but a lot of people, like the people that I coach and work with, think it's kind of unpopular. That we just hustle too much. We are too obsessed with all these external things in our lives because I have a lot of folks who will come to me thinking that all this stuff that they're getting money is going to somehow fix and change the stuff inside of them. And I'm sorry, everyone. It will not. (laughs) I know it sucks. So I'm saying less hustle, like not no capitalism, but like slightly less capitalism and focus on the stuff that really matters, like friends, family, stuff like that. So I don't think that's unpopular, but I, I've, I've heard rumors that other people don't like it. No, I hate the whole, like, no excuses, like, work harder. I'm like, it's not an excuse. It's like life. <laughs> like, we got shit to do. That's not an excuse. Exactly. Like, we have to, to live. Well, and I think also the introduction of, like, social media and this, like, day and age that we're in where we're seeing so much of everybody's everything all the time. And you just, you feel this like little sense of like, well, I'm not doing that. So I should be doing that or, well, they're doing it better. So I should be doing it better. And so it's like, it's like this pressure keeps, you know, piling on top of, I think all of us. So I think not feeding into that. I really like that. It's, I think it's a really, really good piece of advice. Thank you. Yeah. People get this FOMO and it's, it's not real. You're not missing out on much. Um, so we are absolutely obsessed with you. First of all, you are stunning and adorable and we just love everything you are absolutely doing. So, but we want to get the backstory, like where did this all start? Let's hear about your background, your beginning, where you grew up, all the fun things. I was born here, just a wee babe, beautiful, sweet, caring. I was born in Los Angeles. (laughs) I uh, grew up in Orange County. So, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm from Orange County. Where? Anaheim Hills. <gasps> You're Belinda. I went to, I went to Friends what Christian. I went to Friends Christian Elementary. I went to Friends Christian. Class of 2000. We were there like at the same no. time. I'm 38. I was one year ahead of you. Do we know each other? Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, um. I'm kind of obsessed with this uh, moment. Mr. Kempton. Yes. Mr. Lewis. Can you do the clap? <laughs> Mr. Lewis with his sunglasses. Literally, right. we went to the same school at the same time. I was a cheerleader. Uh, I was. I was a cheerleader. <laughs> FCS cheerleader. Oh my, God. Oh my gosh. How um, random. Small so world. We're sisters. Wait, did you have Miss Ashley for art? Yes, of course, with all her red hair. I've told Tori the story a million times about how when we taught sex education she refused to say the word come and someone asked on a like note card like is it okay to swallow and she was like is it okay to swallow gum (laughs) haha sure wait and we're like bitch we know we know that's not she was always getting really inappropriate questions I was much dumber and somebody asked about masturbation (laughs) 
And I was literally like, wait, that's masturbation. I do that all the time. How is that? <laughs> and then they're like, and you're going to hell. And you're going straight to hell. Wait, so wait, were you with my brother then though? Because my brother was two years. Yeah. What was his wait, name? Jeff Manicero. Yes. Oh Jeff my God. That's my brother. <laughs> oh my God. That's my God. brother. He was in my class. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's so <laughs> Funny. Wow. No one even knows where your Belinda is when I say your Belinda. Like nobody, nobody does. And then like North County is like a tiny little. Exactly. Yeah. And like, and then people like don't friends... realize it's Orange County. They don't. It's like, and I, I keep trying to tell people North County is better than South County, but they're not trying to hear it because we don't have the beach. I'm like, That's whatever. Y'all don't get it. Y'all don't get but it. We can drive to the beach. They have <laughs> too much traffic. No. We can drive to they the have beach. Way too much traffic. And then when the end of the world eventually happens and the water starts to come up into everyone's property, we will We're be beach We're safe. How funny. Oh that my is God. So funny. So that that's where random. it all started. That so random. That's where it all started. Friends Christian. FCS. <laughs> Friends Christian, Uber, Uber Christian upbringing. But I was raised as a Seventh day Adventist. I was, so we uh, kept the Sabbath and we did all that stuff. And it made me a weirdo my whole life. Now I'm a Buddhist. Um, <laughs> Love that. I pivoted out. I so, think if you went to Friends Christian, you either went back and worked there and still work there and married someone from there, or you went completely the other way and you're Buddhist. I went <laughs> completely the other way as well. Uh, there is no in between. Literally, there like, is. I know people. I went to school and people, they're like teachers there now. And I'm like, that is my mm. personal hell. Honestly, <laughs> two people that went to class with me were in my grade are still married and have like five kids. Like yeah, got married, wow. dated there and got married and stayed together, which is super cute. I'm not even, I'm not even yucking that yum. That cute, is delightful. But... Like that is delightful. <laughs> <laughs> that was not my story. We love that for them. <laughs> I love that for them. But yeah, so yeah. I like was this, even in school, I was a renegade. I was always, I talked too much. I did too much. So it made me kind of like the weird kid at school because I kind of liked everybody. And like, there were like popular kids and not popular kids, but like kind of not at the same time. It's kind of like everyone was equally weird. So I was always a little bit of a weirdo, did my own thing, but I was kind of that empathy kid that always gravitated towards the kids that weren't doing well. And I was like, are you okay? What's going on? And so I go to college in the middle of Alabama because again, I am Seventh-day Adventist. I was Seventh-day Adventist and it was an HBCU, so that's a historically black college or university, and it was Seventh-day Adventist. It's the only one that is both. So my parents sent me there. My mom went there. My grandparents went there. And I thought that I wanted to be a medical doctor. So I was like a bio major. I was doing all the things that I needed to do. Um, I, I like to mention that I skipped a grade. And so I was kind of this like extra verbal smart kid that just like buzzed through school. And my first test in honors bio, I got a 12%. And I'd never done bad on oh anything my in my entire life. And I remember I chose a dorm room that overlooked the, the science building so I could fill my life with science all day and all night. And I remember sitting in the window of my dorm room and crying about how I'd never be a doctor because I was a failure at all oh, things. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just, I feel you so much on this one. Let me tell you, the struggle is real for me. So I feel you, girl. So real. So I, I had a psych minor and we um, had an anatomy lab where we had a cadaver and our cadaver. And this was like, you know, back in like 
you know, early 2000s, our cadaver was a male to female uh, trans person. And she had, I, we don't know, uh, I don't remember what she passed away from, because that's like kind of like the point of the class, right? You're trying to um, di- uh, diagnose. But everybody in the class was really interested in the surgeries and the operations and what happened. And I remember being hyper-focused on her nail polish because it was chipped. And I was like, she's taken so much time to love her body. What happened at the end of her life that kept her from taking care of herself? And so I was realizing that I was thinking more about her psychology than her biology. The, the story of her life was more important to me. And so I changed my major from there. I went full psych and then I did a chemistry minor. And then I ended up going to grad school. And what's interesting is my mom has a PhD in psychology as well. And so I was, um, everyone in my family had to get a doctorate in something. It was, it's a little bit of a family, it's, it's drama. It's a lot of pressure. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of pressure. But uh, so I was uh, thinking about genetics and all this other stuff. And I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to do psych. So I ended up going to Loma Linda, which is a a Seventh-day Adventist school out here in uh, Southern California. Mm -hmm. And that's where I ended up getting my master's and my PhD. And then I realized, yo, this shit is stressful. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Right? Just a wee bit, yeah. Just a little bit. So, and I've always been kind of like a a cheerful, shiny person. And I like making people happy. I like making things pretty. But sometimes mental health is not pretty. And you can't make it that way. It's almost it's it's almost toxic to do so, right? You have to sit in people's shit. You have to allow them to experience what it is they're going to experience. And that was starting to really weigh heavily on me. Um, I was working with some uh, sex traffic kids at this facility in, in uh, Torrance. And it was what we would refer to as a high acuity facility, tons of trauma. And the facility wasn't necessarily managing everything effectively. And I ended up getting a a rotator cuff uh, injury from an assault in the facility. And I was like, I got to do this differently. And then I noticed that all my kids there cared more about people on TV than any therapist that was in that building. Because they were like, I'm going to have 20 more therapists over the Mm -hmm. course of my life. Like, why do I care about you? Like, you're going to come, you're going to go, you're going to come, you're going to go. But Kim Kardashian, I love her. She's great. I'm going to do a sex tape so I can be like Kim Kardashian. I'm going to do this. So I said, I need to start working in media so that I can have what we call referent power. So if these kids see me on TV every once in a while, then they'll be like, oh, wait, maybe she knows what she's talking about. Because for some reason, we value people on TV more than people who necessarily know always what they're talking about. Sometimes the two cross over. A lot of the times they do, but sometimes they don't. So that's kind of like the uh, long story from Friends Christian. All the way to now. <laughs> That's wild. Wait, can I just t- ask you really quick? Because I'm so fascinated by this. When you were like, okay, I need to be on TV. Because, okay, first of all, you have a show now on your own network. Like, you are very incredible. H- how did you do this? Like, where were you like, okay, I want to do this. Yeah, but like, what was it? casually just be like, yeah. I think I'll be on TV yeah. now. Right? And then like, here you are. Look at you. How, yeah. First of there? all, how did you get there? my spiritual journey, I am a manifester. I have always been a person who like, when I really put something in my mind, like the combination of like manifestation and then I'm a hard, like I'm a hard worker in, a, in an interesting sense, but like I will network my butt off. I make, I try to make as good relationships as possible. So that's one thing that I tell people, like, if you want to get into TV, you got to be where the TV people are. So you're like this much of a stalker. Okay. Just like this much. All right. Don't take it too far. Don't take it too far. 
but you've got to know the right places to go. Like, what restaurants are they at? What parties are they at? Who are people? How do you talk to them? You don't say like, hey, I want to be an actress. Hey, I want to be on TV. Give me a position. You show up. You be the best version of yourself. You be charming. You be sparkly. You be great. And people will notice you. You know, and so that was one part of it. Another part of it was my mom used to be in television. She was like an actress on a show back before I was born and ruined her life. And uh, so a lot of my like play aunts and uncles were also in the industry. And so I kind of would get like soft introductions to people too. But the the own network, I ended up meeting them partly because <laughs> I used to talk a lot of shit on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> where all and, good things start twitter right <laughs> and i used to listen to really conservative talk radio kfi and i used to talk a lot of shit because they said things i didn't like and one of the pro producers was like okay you talk shit but you talk shit in a way other people don't some people just say hurtful horrible things and you're saying things that are actually like poignant and interesting do you want to go out to eat and i was like cool but I was a little terrified. Like, am I about to get kidnapped from the portos in the in the valley? Like, am I about to be dead? Totally. That's I valid. was not murdered. Valid. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and and he um, introduced me to a show host named Mo Kelly. So I ended up doing a few um, episodes on his show as an expert, and that just kind of grew into me working with NBC. I did um, about like six or seven episodes of Access Hollywood Live, and then that grew to me. I was on a a, a podcast at the time. And that grew into me being on a show. And then I was on a show on MTV that nobody ever saw. And then I did a podcast with VH1 that nobody ever listened to. Um, <laughs> but didn't even become anything. Wow. And then I did a show with OWN, uh, Family or Fiance. And then it became my own show, Like My Black Daughter. And then it became a few other shows. And here I am. But what's crazy about that to me is like, okay, let's talk about those shows that like never like manifested, right? Or never actually came <laughs> to fruition. Those were like the stepping stones, right? Because that's mm -hmm. like such good practice for you to get into and look at you now. Like fast forward, you have your own show here and on the own network, you're just absolutely killing it and you're writing a book, you're doing all these things. Like to me, I'm like, that's like your training, right? The things that you fail at, fail quote, right? Whatever, or mm -hmm. don't come to fruition mm -hmm. actually were probably helping you. 100% because then you you get to figure out what you like and what you don't like. You get to know what types of contracts you enjoy, what types of contracts you don't want. You get to like even practice with your attorneys. Of like, how do I communicate with them about these things? How do I talk to producers and showrunners and what's the difference? Um, and, and knowing how to advocate as a woman of color in media, you have to know how to advocate for your own hair and makeup because that's been like a big issue is that not everybody can do hair and makeup for all skin colors, for all hair textures. And so you learn how to advocate in a way that's like really, you know, for me, I, I just don't want to be fun and sweet. I never, um, my reputation is very important to me. And so I don't want to be that person that like comes on set and like causes like a whole ton of drama, but like figuring out how to work those things into the conversation. <laughs> and I've gotten pretty good at it. You, you get all these TV opportunities and you were still kind of working with the kids. What was kind of like the transition in your career and to like what you're doing now? When I was working with the kids, I was a, uh, that was like my postdoc. So that was only a year long. And they wanted me to stay on after that. And I was basically like, absolutely not. Like the kids were great. Let me establish. It was the organization that was toxic. So I moved on and I started a consulting firm. And I started as a brander. 
and I was doing work in neuromarketing and I was helping people brand their companies and I wasn't doing a lot of TV at all initially. And then um, I got a job again because my husband actually got laid off right before our wedding. It was very stressful. So I started working at a prison in downtown LA as a clinician there. Wow. Literally, it was terrifying. There was like a murder across the hall, the street from our building. And I was like, I got to stop doing this. And that's when I was like, this is not for me. So once I started doing the podcast, and then I started doing the Access Live stuff. I was like, I love this so much. I literally can't do anything else. I love, because I also love teaching. I love disseminating information. I love disseminating knowledge. And being on this show, I was really allowed to share it with so many more people than I ever have been in any classroom or in any session in my life. So it was like right after I had that um, prison job or jail, it was Men's Central Jail, that uh, jail job that I was like, no, TV's it. So I wanted to go into this because I'm really curious with your, you know, your journey into therapy. So you specialize or specialize or have created this specialty of um, psychofuturist. Is that what how you call it? Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that. Like one, what is it? How have you defined this? And like, let's just dive into that because I'm really curious about this. I'm we're I'm obsessed with one, a lot of things that you talk about. But what is it? Yeah, I am so into pushing the envelope. I am one of those people, like they talk about the balance between liberalism and conservatism, that we need people to kind of like slow down progress. I am somebody who is progress on 10,000. And so psychofuturism is really looking at the next steps of psychology and mental health, like what's coming next. So I'm working on, hopefully in in the near future, doing some work in AI, doing some research into, you know, how these types of technologies impact humans how humans impact these technologies. Because for example, with AI and machine learning, they're trying to model a lot of it after human cognition and the human brain, but we don't understand the human brain very well. We don't even know what consciousness is, right? So it's like, how do we begin to discuss conversations of of consciousness? What is it? And uh, I would even teach my students about consciousness. And then there's also this like social accountability piece because the APA, the American Psychological Association, had to send out a document during the pandemic where they talked about all the many ways that APA has harmed people of color and women over the last hundred or so years. And my perspective is it's time for us to really move forward with fixing some of those wrongs. It's about doing research on people of color with researchers of color, with subjects of color, because what will happen is We won't get a lot of people in these studies that are even people of color or women. And like, did y'all know that they do a lot of research on little, little mice, right? And when they do these mice studies, because we have a lot of genetics in common, the way that their brains function, function similarly with ours, but 99% of the mice that they do research on are male. Mm -hmm. So they don't really understand how a lot of these things might work if there are any dimorphisms or changes in the way a female brain works as opposed to a male brain, because there are some, but not a lot. But so they don't know how certain things work when a, when a woman is on her menstrual cycle, because they don't want to deal with the mice having menstrual cycles. We got to change that, right? <laughs> We've got to start doing yeah. science for everybody. And so psychofuturism is about just any of the next steps, whether it be tech, whether it be decolonizing mental health, whether it be focusing on women's needs, whatever is coming next, 
I want it to be able to fall under psychofuturism. So interesting. I didn't know that. That's, I mean, in terms of like science, it is interesting too, because so many things are rooted in, in male perspective. Right. And I feel like that's a big thing that we're talking about right now. Right. And like patriarchal like mindset and, you well, know, some of just the working in healthcare, like so many of the healthcare yeah. books and even all the like medicine research was all studied on like white males. Yep. yep. Like we're now looking at like the issue with IUDs and how they're like, oh, just hurry up and, and put them in there. Women don't feel anything in their cervixes. And women are like, uh, what are you saying? This is the most yeah. painful thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course it's I feel really, that. Really interesting. You know, yeah, like, of say course with I pap- do. Thank you. Yeah, with the pap smear, they'll be like, it's just a little pinch. But like, they're like punching a hole in your body. Yes, you know, wow, yes. The worst. And we have to start having these conversations. Now we have women in the medical field. We have women who are speaking out. We have platforms. And so they have to start listening to us. Yeah, definitely. Uh, something that you are specifically really, really ingrained in and you speak a lot about mm-hmm. is relationships, right? And and boundaries. And this is definitely something that I think applies to all of us yeah. here. You know, this is something that we're all constantly trying to learn how did you like your fascination with this? Where did that start? And also, you know, what are your biggest takeaways in terms of relationships and healthy boundaries? So I got started in relationships specifically with that podcast that I was working on. It was with a matchmaker. And I know. And it was so fun. And so like, she used to have all these events and I would go and I would like focus more on the psychology of relationships on healthy relationships on boundaries and things like that. And so that was like the start because I've never been a person who likes specializing. I I always wanted to be able to talk about everything, but then I realized relationships are really at the center of human life. So the last part of our brain to evolve was our frontal lobe and our frontal lobe has, you know, mirror neurons within the medial temporal kind of central part of our frontal lobe. And our mirror neurons help us to communicate. That is like, and, and to like connect, that is like their primary goal that we see somebody do something, we register what that is, and we respond. And it is a higher function. One of the things that only prime that, well, historically, we have thought only primates did, but lots of other animal species do as well. And it is what brings a lot of joy to people. Like, for example, during the pandemic, we saw with all the isolation, with all of the staying at home, people's mental health suffered, not just because of the horrible chaos outside, but because humans deal with chaos by finding balance with one another, by playing, by talking, by laughing, by doing things. And we couldn't do that. And it really hurt us a lot. And so I love being able to focus on relationships and being able to help people with relationships because it could be a relationship at work. It could be a relationship, an intimate relationship. It can be a family relationship. All of them matter. Oh, and boundaries. What are the most common... Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And boundaries. What are the most common things that when you know you're working with your patients and you're or you're doing your coaching? Like, what are the most common issues that you see in relationships? Like, what are the top like three things that like you see we're all doing that we <laughs> need to start working on? <laughs> trust. There's a lot of mistrust right now, um, and some of it is deserved, right? Because of cheating and infidelity, um, but some of it is just habitual. I think there are people that have been hurt so many times over the course of their lives. It's very hard for them to understand that maybe they're in a safe relationship. And so they they never get to the point where they actually trust other people. That's one thing. Another one, oh God, people are going to be mad at this. 
Online dating, I don't think has made dating better. Oh, I agree. I think that's 100%. Hell hole that I live in and I hate it. I think a lot of people would agree with you. It's the worst. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not, it just is not good. It doesn't feel good. I think it could be, right? I think, I think it could be, but I think what's happening is it's kind of this like FOMO thing again, where it's like you go on a date with somebody and they wear a blue shirt and you're like, I am a purple girl. If you ever wear blue or it's like, I'm a guy, if you're ever wearing blue, I got to have girls in purple. Then it's like, I'm never going to speak to you again. And so there's this like this, this space now where people have been made so unimportant where it's like, I'm not even going to try to communicate mm-hmm. with you to see how you actually feel about this topic. It's like, if you say something I almost don't like, there's a thousand more people out there like you and I'm going to find them and, and like That's abandon it. you. And uh, I, I don't- like There's uh, literally just so many people at your fingertips and it's like, yeah. you're kind of just next, 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 next. Mm-hmm. And it hurts a lot of people. People are getting ghosted and that's impacting their self-esteem. It's impacting so much. And so that's um, one of the things I see. And I think that that also is partly building up all these walls and barriers for people, which make intimacy hard because they've had so many circumstances where people have um, been lost. And then I think my third thing would be this men's right thing um, is hard when it comes to dating. Um, and Interesting, yeah. it's, it's increasing faster than I would want it to. There's a number of different groups, the red pill, Kevin Samuels, the new guy, um, who's, <laughs> I remember his name, Tate something. Um, and Andrew Tate, I hear yeah, It's just insane. Yeah. yeah. And, and the, the incel. So there's like a new movement where there's, this is, it's, it's slowly growing and it's making the dating scene even more difficult to navigate. Um, because you'll find someone that you might kind of like, and then they come up with this, like, oh, well, I don't believe women should work or, oh, I don't think you should have the right to do this. Oh, you shouldn't have the right to do that. And so it makes it even one step more difficult. And I think that it's also an outcropping of an intense level of stress that everybody is under. And I'm not going to give these guys a break at all by any means. But um, there's a lot of stress that we're all under. And for some reason, this particular group of people have turned it into kind of like an attack against women instead of being a call to create better relationships and to put yourself second and sometimes understand the perspective of somebody else. So those are three things that I'm seeing as like big problems in the dating world and in relationships. It's like genuinely disturbing seeing the rise of that like male population you talked about. Cause I've even had male friends that I've been friends with for so long and are cool. And then I would see them start to like repost some of that content on social media. And I'd be like, I am genuinely shocked. Like, is this actually like you're, you believe this you're like feeding into this and then it's like well not and then it's like they give them a pass like well I don't agree with everything but this one thing I'm like do you not understand how dangerous that like rhetoric is I'm like especially for like the younger generation that doesn't even have the ability to like really critically think and like we like kind of go through the weeds of that and it's yeah that actually is Very disappointing. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Why do you think that's happening? I'm really curious because like 
like these guys in my head, I'm like, it seems like it's coming from a very narcissistic point of view, right? It seems like these are true, like very, um, like rooted in really, really, I don't know, narcissistic behavior, but like misogyny, misogyny, but like gross misogyny. Why do you think it's happening? Like we're, I don't know. (sighs) I think we are in a middle generation, right? We're all, we're all millennials and I'm an exennial. I think we're, cause we're like right at the beginning. Right. And all the way us, all the, the way Oregon to, trail. We're the Oregon trail millennials. <laughs> I have been, do you know how many times FCS. I died by snake bite? <laughs> Literally. Oh, this, yeah. is, this is what we did. Um, I think I got trapped under a wagon wheel once too in the river. Like it was, it was bad. Um, but we're this middle generation, right? Gen X, like the older ones, and then our parents, the boomers, really had this message of like, male is the head of the household, women might not be so much. By the way, my house was entirely different. So I was raised with an entirely different message. So I'm just talking about this as an observer. But um, but that was more of the message, right? Boomers had much more of a classic perspective. Gen X started to break with that because they were doing the MTV thing. They were like grunge. They were like, hey, wait, what are you talking about? And our generation has really moved out of it and is looking much more for equality. We're looking for personal goals. Women in our generation have things we want to do. We want to go to school first. We don't want to get married so early. We don't want to have kids as young as our parents' generation did. Um, Houses, okay, cool. We'll buy a house if we can, or we'll just travel for six months. Like, we want to do Mm -hmm. things that our parents and our grandmothers couldn't do. But the men in our generation have still been fed a lot of the same stories we were, the princess and how she's waiting for the prince. And historically, like our parents, their generation, literally were the the narrative was that if women want sex, if women want this, there's something wrong with her. She's a slut. She's a whore. She's a bad person. And our generation, we're kind of like, but you know, I want to do what I want to do. If I want to date this guy today and then date somebody else tomorrow, that's fine. And so what I'm seeing is the men are caught in between where they're still feeding into this and hearing this old narrative that they're here to come ride in on a, on a horse and save everybody and that women can't want it too much. And so these new liberated women are the problem. It's not us. That's the problem. It's that they want it right. Casablanca. He had to take that kiss from her. There was that phrase to steal a kiss. Right. And now that is low key sexual assault. You can't take something from me. You can't yank me and kiss my face without my permit. What are you saying? Excuse me, sir. Excuse me. You know, but and but but they've been hearing that this is something that you're supposed to do because if a woman wants to kiss you, you shouldn't want to kiss her. She's a slut. And so women are always a little better at adapting socially because we want to be free. We want to be liberated from this world that kept us from being come from doing what we wanted. Like I think it was the um it became legal for women to get bank accounts in nineteen sixty-eight. I know, isn't that crazy? Wild. It is wild. You know what I'm saying? So if you weren't married or didn't have a partner in your life or some man that could have a bank account for you, you had to hide your money in the couch, you know, and how do you get a home loan if you didn't save up enough cash, you know? And so we're finally liberated socially. We can do most of the things we want to do. We can plan our families and plan our lives. And men are trying to kind of like pull us back to a place where we couldn't. And I did a, I did a video once that people, men did not like, I said, we don't need you anymore. We want you. Right. I don't need my husband for a bank account. I can get a bank account. 
I can get a job. I could buy a house. I don't need my husband. I want him. I love him. He's great. He's smart. He communicates with me. He makes me feel good. We hug, we cuddle, we talk, we laugh. So now men have to be a little bit more than just a bank account. They have to actually be interesting or good in bed or fun. And if they're not those things, they're just not going to get dates. And they don't like that. Mm, oh, that's a really good way of thinking about it. Like they have to step up their game. And I think it's so interesting that you say that because I feel like, I don't know, for us as women, especially in the millennial, like I take big pride in everything that I'm doing and I absolutely love it. And I feel very fortunate to be with someone who's right there with me, who's a true partner. But it is astounding to me how many, you know, especially with TikTok, I think TikTok has been like this rise and we're seeing it more so over there where these young boys essentially are feeding this really horrible rhetoric and I mean, it's not even young boys i mean i, can I mean yeah, a you're single right. woman that's 36 gonna be 37 like your husband is not yeah. like you are very lucky because yeah. he is not the average male in our age demographic mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. The amount of times, like, I've dated someone that, like, remember those text messages I showed you one time? Someone told me I was, like, too masculine. I'm too, like, independent and all these things. And I, like, said, I'm, like, they're, like, you, like, act like you don't need a man. I'm, like, I don't. don't. I literally do not. Exactly. I make my own money. I live alone. I'm financially independent. I have fun by myself. I've traveled internationally alone. Like, I don't need a man. I don't even need you for sex. I can get myself off better than half of you could even do. The so rose. What do I need you for? The rose is Bless. next level. It is next yeah. uh, level. Bless. <laughs> so I was like, I don't need you. And I would like looked him and I was like, don't you, wouldn't you rather be with someone that wants to be with you that doesn't need you? Like exactly. if I'm going on this date with you or I'm like choosing a to better pursue place to and like in. get more serious, it's because I want to be with you. I like your company. You build me up. You make me a better person. I have fun. Like life is better with you in it, mm -hmm. not because I need you. Yeah. And then at the same time, men complain. Like I know men that complain, like women just go on dates because they want a free dinner. I'm like, I would rather fucking take myself to dinner than go on a bad first date. Yeah. I'm not out here looking for free meals, homie. Like, no. Yeah. So I'm like, but you can't, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. It's either like, oh, women just want us for our money. They don't care. They just want a free meal, blah, blah, blah. But then it's like, oh, or you're too independent and you don't need us. It's like, exactly. You know, you're trapped. You you're damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. If you go out to dinner, you take their money, you're comfortable with the gift, then you're a gold digger. Like, oh my God, how dare you just mm -hmm. want for my money? But then if you want them for something else, they're boring. They don't have anything to say. So then you want to make them more interesting and you're like, hey, let's go somewhere. And then it's like, oh, you don't like me the way I am. And it's like, wait, I'm just, I'm done. Like, I just got called, um, yeah. like, I didn't get called manly, but the other day I was having a conversation with a guy that was just a, to me, a very basic conversation. But I guess to him, it was a really deep conversation. And so he was like, oh my God, you're so smart. You think like a man. What? No, I'm just smart. I'm just <laughs> smart. I'm 100% girl. I do not think like a man. I think like a woman that happens to have something to say. And he's like, well, a lot of women don't have anything to say. I'm like, maybe they don't say anything to you. <laughs> Boom. But yeah, thank you. I was like, what is Excuse happening? <laughs> yeah, That's, this is it. unwell. We are no, unwell. Like, so what, what advice do you have for 
me and the, my fellow single ladies out there. Yeah, or dating tips. Yeah. Like, or, yeah, yeah, that's a great Or great building, question. starting relationships in this, this day and age. What are we doing more of? Say it with me. Drinking, Drinking more water. <laughs> Good skin, more energy, more mental clarity, and overall health have one thing in common, water. So what are you doing to make sure you get your water in? Okay, our favorite sponsors are back, Hydro Jug. This is the jug I bring with me daily everywhere. We are obsessed. I bring this every day with me to work. You guys know it holds half a gallon of water so you can hydrate more and refill less. It also has a leak-proof seal so the water stays in the bottle and off of your clothes. It has a wide mouth opening so you can throw in fruit there or you know I love extra ice so I can load it up. It has an integrated handle so it's easy to carry around and to drink out of. And of course, you can choose any different hydro jug option. They have their pro hydro jug. They have a stainless steel option, their original, they have a glass option, and even mini jugs. My personal favorite has been the stainless steel, but now we just got the glass version. Okay, it is so cute. It's the studded glass jug, so it's glass inside, but it has a silicone sleeve for protection. We got the lavender and the, and the black, black studded one. Freaking so obsessed. And all Hydro Jug products are BPA-free. They also offer 40 different patterns for sleeves. That makes it even easier for you to carry your Hydro Jug, of course. Head over and snag your Hydro Jug today. Head over to thehydrojug.com and use discount code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E, for 10% off of your order today. Again, that's hydrojug.com and use the code SELFIE, C-E-L-L-F-I-E, and get 10% off your order. This is a great tip, by the way. If you um, have a great preceptor or, you know, the holidays are coming up, make sure you snag it. Honestly, I think it's time to take dating back into the real world. Be out and about, be in the world, hang out with your friends, hang out with your people, and then take a time to reconnect to yourself as well because these, this dating can really get you imbalanced. It can get you off kilter. So you want to make sure that you're still feeling like connected to yourself. Do the work that you need to do as well to deal with your traumas, because obviously we got traumas too. Um, and primarily with caregivers, any issues you have with your caregivers, your parents, your grandparents could become issues with your partner. So work on that. And um, I would say try to take dating less seriously in a way if that makes sense, like turn it into something fun and not like, cause I see a lot of people who will, it's almost like they're on an interview and it's like, okay, hmm. do you have this? Yeah. Check. Do you check? And right. instead just have a good time with another human and just see what comes of it. What advice do you have for people that are in relationships that maybe they're strained or yeah, toxic not, yeah. or something's going on? Oh, if it's toxic, I say, get the fuck out of there sooner than later. Because the longer you stay in a toxic relationship, the harder it is to get out. There's this concept called the trauma bond. And in a trauma bond, our oxytocin, which is our love hormone, becomes paired with cortisol, our stress hormone. And so you actually begin to associate pain and traumatic events with things that like are loving and good. So I say get out, get safe. If it's physical or sexual abuse, like get out. There are shelters you know, get out in the middle of the night, do what you ever need to do, find a clinician, therapist will help you get out. Um, if it's an emotionally abusive relationship, definitely find ways to back away because um, we do not disregard emotional abuse and think that it is not that big of a deal because you're not being physically harmed. It is harmful. And those wounds, those emotional wounds will stick with you for a long time. 
Um, and narcissistic abuse is on the rise. So, you know, if you have a partner that is making their own needs much more important than yours, I say, I don't believe that a failed relationship is a relationship that ends. Sometimes the most successful thing that the relationship could do is end. So your relationship has just taken it to the place where it needed to go and it's okay. Yeah. Well, I, I just, it's so interesting because I feel like it's very complex nowadays, right? When you have so much access to so many people, um, something else that I was hearing um, on another podcast was the idea that uh, a lot of these cities like LA and New York have a hypersaturation of women. And so the men in those cities, you know, they tend to know it. It's like an un, un it's like an unannounced thing where they kind of know like, okay, I'm gonna have a date with you. And if it's not good or sub, wh- whatever it may be, they're going to see this person and say, I like this, 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 and this about you. But because I don't like this, we're going to move on to the next, you know? So it's like this hypersaturation and being locally in cities where there's a higher, you know, number of women to men is also affecting the dating and the dating pool, which I think is really interesting. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's, it's made people feel disposable and I, I'm getting a lot of, um, a lot of my clients are women. I have some male clients as well, but a lot of my clients are women and they're definitely feeling that like these men don't care. And so there's this pressure like, okay, well I have to have sex with him or I have to do this. I have to do that. Cause if I don't, then he's definitely gone. And, right. um, when it comes to sex, I'm all about, you got to feel safe, um, in a relationship. And like I said, also emotionally safe. If it's not emotionally safe, then you got to get out. Even if it's the mm-hmm. only thing you feel you have. I feel like that kind of leads into one of your like specialties of boundaries. What are kind of like your top like info bites or tips, recommendations on like establishing boundaries or. Well, yeah. one, the first thing you have to do is know that your boundary has been crossed. Cause one of the things that happens as we age and we, we get older in society is we begin to fall out of alignment with our intuition. When we're kids, we know what we want. I want to be a race car ballerina, and that is what I want to be. And no one's going to tell me anything else. But over time, the society will tell you, no, you can't do that. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. And so at a certain point, our boundaries are being crossed left and right, and we don't even notice. So what I'll have people do is I'll say, think back to the last person you've resented, like true eye-rolling resentment. That is a person that probably crossed a lot of your boundaries. Think back to the last time you were angry with somebody. That was a boundary that was crossed. So I'll move from some of those emotions to help them identify some of the things that they didn't like. And then when you start to identify the things you don't like, you can start to construct for the future. Okay, I don't like when people, you know, are late for dates. Um, I don't like when people, you know, don't bring me a gift to my birthday party or whatever it might be. And so you can begin to figure out the things that you like and don't like, the boundaries that you want, the boundaries you don't want, so that now you can effectively communicate this to other people. Because you can't expect everybody to naturally and organically understand and know your boundaries. They will only know what it is they know from their life and their childhood, not yours from your life. And so I, I, I help people learn to communicate a lot of these boundaries too, because that is really the hard part. So now you've figured out what you need. Now, how do you tell another human? by the way, I don't like it. So a lot of people deal with guilt during that phase where we're trying to talk to you, but they're like, oh, well, but who am I to, to let this person know that like, I like flowers and I want them to bring flowers to my date. I mean, I don't want to bother him. 
no, it's okay to take up space and to tell your partner what it is you like, especially if it's something like you want a rose at your dinner. That's fine. So that's kind of like the process mm-hmm. I go through with people. I feel like that's actually a really, really good tip because I feel like that's something that, you know, I've had to work on in my own marriage, right? It's like we've been together now, I can't even believe it, like six or seven years now total. And that has been, even since starting this show, because we've spoken to a lot of really, really wonderful people, and the biggest tip is always communicate. And it's hard to do, especially when you get used to your your routine, right? And then you kind of get settled into it, and then you kind of just get complacent. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you have these build up, build up, build up, build up, build up, and then all of a sudden something explodes, right? And I feel like Sam, you know, we talked about this a lot, like the squeaky wheel, like keep it nice and oiled, you know, check in with each other. That's something that I feel like us and our relationship has been really, really essential. And, you know, like any marriage, we struggle. My husband and I, we go through ups and downs and, you know, especially moving into social media and doing all this, like there's a lot of new boundaries we've had to make. And, you know, the evolution of a person, right? Like I've had a lot of new things happening in these years and, together we've created new boundaries and I feel like that's something that we just we don't talk enough about that like just because you said it also five years ago doesn't mean it's applicable now in your relationship I think checking in because they can evolve I think people don't kind of re Re update yes (laughs) their boundaries as they Mm -hmm. like progress through life that is such a good point that we will sometimes just get static and then we'll assume that static nature of in our partner as well like I am a Gemini a true Gemini I am flighty. I'm everywhere. I change every minute. And my husband is a nice, stable, solid Virgo. And so I'll say something mm-hmm. and he'll always remember it. And he'll be like, well, six years ago, you said that you liked da, 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 da. And I'm like, like, six years ago, Allison doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like, who is she? I don't is, even know who is she? she? I don't <laughs> yeah. even know her. Sometimes I speak to my future self like, yeah. Allison, I'm about to make a bad decision. This is future Allison's problem. Current Allison's not a part of this. Yeah. And so like, so I'm always having to communicate and I'm always encouraging my husband too. like, yeah, make sure you, you know, reassess yourself and keep up. I love that. I love that. I have a selfish question for you because you mentioned earlier, um, more like people getting in tune with being an empath and your journey into Buddhism. I'm just really curious about this selfishly. Like one, I want to talk about empaths, like what is empaths and then also Buddhism and how you like got into this and maybe a little bit about the foundation of that for you. I am of two minds about empath. I believe that there is a spiritual component and there's also like a scientific component. Um, On the the spiritual side, I do think there are people that are just a little bit more observant of some of the things that we can't measure, right? We can't measure um, energies, auras, you know, spiritual things like that. But there are some people who are just very perceptive. Like the word clairvoyant literally means perceptive, aware. So there, so that's number one. On the spiritual side, every culture kind of has their people that they understand like that person is sensitive, aware, clairvoyant, present. In Christianity, they talk about the gift of discernment, right? That's in the Bible. And that's the same thing as being an empath. And then on the scientific side, there is some research to show that people who have experienced trauma tend to be more attentive to the emotions of others. Because if they've had trauma in their past, in their childhood, an upset parent can be very dangerous, right? So you have to really look out for that. And so there is, so when I work with people, I kind of dovetail the two, 
because I never want to be so spiritual that I could end up allowing somebody to kind of be hurt and injured and not notice it, but not be too scientific that I'm also ignoring the, the other side of life, which is the side that's harder to measure. And so I kind of intertwine the both. And if, it, if you do have this like natural ability towards empath, uh, being an empath because of a trauma, well, how do we hold on to the great parts of that so that you can continue to use that into the future as a skill for yourself? sort of along those lines with Buddhism, like, I'm really fascinated by that, because it's funny, because we've, I, uh, so my husband and I went to Israel on the, uh, this past year, and my husband's Jewish, I was raised Catholic, you know, went to the all-girl Catholic high school, the whole thing. Fast forward, here we are, and for me, I feel like it's interesting, because I'm, you know, looking into myself, into, like, what do I believe, who am I, you know, and kind of going down this road, and realizing I really do align a lot with Buddhism kind of as a whole, Mm -hmm. and just like energy, mind, body, spirit connection. Can you dive into this a little bit, like your base into this, and maybe a little like how you have applied it to your life, and just your personal feeling on it? Absolutely. Einstein said, if science had a religion, it would be Buddhism. And one of the things that I love about Buddhism is it's, and, and also oh, there's a lot of variation when it comes to Buddhism, right? There's Theravada, there's Nichiren, there's Zen, there's um, a, just a, a, a number of different types of Buddhism and then organizations and groups within those. Um, so there's a lot of diversity, but it has a, a, a moving kind of like a growing and adapting ability to it that I didn't get from modern day Christianity. Um, the version of Christianity that I got was much more solid and stuck. And for me, I had a hard time with the idea of a all-male monotheistic God, where the God is in three, but all three parts, it's like father, son, and like roommate. They really had a layup to turn the Holy Spirit into mom, but they just couldn't do it. Um, (laughs) Like it was really easy. Um, and I don't need to go down that path right now, but when I learned dialectical behavioral therapy, which is an intervention primarily for people with, um, um, personality disorders, like, um, borderline personality disorder, it was created by Marshall Lanahan. And I noticed all my clients getting better so fast, like they were doing so much better. And I was learning so much. I was like, oh my God. Okay. Mindfulness. Oh, distress tolerance. I get to learn how to urge surf, urge surfing. If y'all have never done it, so for for people with borderline personality disorder, they may have an urge to cut themselves if something gets really stressful or life gets really hard. And you ask them to sit with the urge and just notice it and feel the urge of wanting to hurt yourself and breathe through it and notice. And so I urge serve with all kinds of different things. Um, Like it's just the act of being mindful. So you have a really bad emotion and I'll just close my eyes and I will sit with my emotion and I'll sit and figure out where it is in my body. How do I feel it? How do I experience it? How does it manifest in my life? And so Buddhism helps me personally to slow down. And the version of Christianity that I got to me seemed very external. It was all about giving something away to God, waiting for an answer from God. It was always this kind of internal, I mean, external being. But Buddhism was all internal. It was all about learning self, understanding what's going on inside of you. How do you, you know, um, focus on, you know, the, like, there's some components, the, the eightfold path, which is, you know, like, right life, livelihood, for example. So one of the Buddhist tenets is to live a life that doesn't harm others or the planet. And if you make money doing something that harms other people, 
that's going to make it harder for you to really truly live in alignment. Um, um, right speech, communicating in a way that is true, that um, is necessary and is kind, making sure that the way that you communicate with people are all three of those things. And if it's not, don't do it. And so everything that I just learned, I was like, this is also to me Christ consciousness, right? When you actually look at the life of Jesus Christ, he did a lot of these things. And some people have even said that Jesus was one of the world's best Buddhists. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I don't know, how do you, when you're, when you're speaking to people, you know, in terms of like sort of marrying the mystical and the science, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you approach this? Honestly, I have this book that I'm looking at right now that I'm obsessed with called um, Why Woo Woo Works. And it is a book that integrates the some of the research into the woo-woo, the mystical, the magical. And um, I, have a, I have some clients that are definitely not into it. And I'm never going to bring woo-woo to somebody who's not into woo-woo, right? Never. Because I'm, I'm about meeting people exactly where they are and where they want to be and not imposing my personal beliefs. But I get a lot of woo-woo clients. And I, I'm, I'm a person who's always believed in balance. And so like there's studies on prayer, for example, on groups of people that will pray for people in hospitals and the people that they pray for get better faster than groups of patients that were in the study that weren't being prayed for. And so there is some studies to show that there is something about the power of intention. Um, if we wanna talk about um, the memory of water, are y'all familiar with that? how you can place intentions on water and it will realign the molecules in the water and how water tends to literally just placing an intention. They had um, three vats of um, rice and they put water in all the three vats. And on one, they would constantly tell it, I hate you. One, they would say, I love you. And one, they would say nothing. The one that they said nothing to just kind of got rotten, you know, just kind of, you know, it didn't go bad, but it wasn't really great. The one that they said, I love you too, turned into wine. And the one that they said, I hate you too, turned just moldy, turned black. And it's wild. Interesting. Right. You can look up the study. It's like there's YouTube videos about it. And I everything. believe it. And I talked to my plants. I, I think. <laughs> oh, I talked to my plants. She does. They have names. Oh, I want to know their names. <sighs> okay. Oh, uh, my first three plants were um, Walter, April, and Patty, my WAP plants. I obsess. I have first Fiona the fiddle fig and Figueroa the fiddle fig. Oh, oh great fiddles, I have to like, I've killed a couple. So now I've really had to like yeah. give extra love to my fiddle. I'm like, you are so gorgeous today. Let me tell you, you keep thriving, <laughs> baby. Let me tell you, Fiona's having a hard time. I'm actually very concerned that she might be dying. Because I had to move her two feet. Have bad sunlight for Phil. Yeah, you got to yep. move her. You yeah, move it's, her it's, yep. get her out of that energy. Yeah, yeah, I had to pivot her over. She didn't like it at first. She dropped like 10 leaves in like three days. It was a whole thing. I was very scared. But I oh, talked to my stressful. water. And, and I look at this. So we've, we've seen, so physicists talk about the memory of water. Um, scientists are very well aware of it. And then, so you can begin to even extrapolate. So the, the food that we eat has water in it. So when people pray over their food, are they actually doing something to make their food, the water and the food alignment? I don't know. I can't say whether or not. We are mostly water. So when you're telling somebody, I love you, are you actually helping them to like realign the water in their bodies? When you tell someone, I hate you, you're the worst. How could you do this? You're creating more you know, dissonance for them. So 
I like the balance of science because it makes the mystical a little bit more concrete. But then there are some things that you just can't measure. And to those things, I say, who cares if they're not measurable? If they make your life better, keep doing them. If they don't, that's now the question is if something mystical or spiritual is harming you and is bringing you down and tearing you down, then it's time to reassess that thing. Because I believe that when we bring in spiritual things, they should generally be pretty helpful. It's been interesting because I've been tapping a little bit more into like, I don't know, energy and my own personal energy and working through a lot of these things. And it's very fascinating, um, even to look at it from a scientific stance of like, you know, there's a lot of positives that we're made of positive and negative, right? Like you just think about molecules and then mm-hmm. just kind of applying it. And then this extra layer of the things that we can't explain mm-hmm. of like how things happen. And it's just, it's really interesting. It so. is like when we think about the way that we think, well, it's like even kind of like positive affirmations. Absolutely. Oh my God. Positive. I used to do this exercise at Heartless Heart opening exercise with people where they would sit down and I would have two people whisper positive things into their ears. So at the same time, so you have two different people, like this stream of consciousness telling you all these beautiful things without fail every time people break down and cry because they're not used to hearing good things with Mm -hmm. kind of the same intensity that our inner voice has, right? Because you have like five inner voices that are telling you all this horrible stuff sometimes. And it's so beautiful. But even talking about like the positive negative thing, like as we are thinking, right, we have these electrical impulses that go off in our brain that that allow us to do all the things that we do. And that happens because of this process called depolarization. So as your cells, your cells are firing and have electrical impulse because the sodium is leaving or exiting the cell because the potassium is either entering or exiting the cell. Sodium has a um, negative charge and potassium has a positive charge. I think I'm remembering my chemistry days. And so as these sodium potassium pump, yeah, the sodium potassium pump, right? So we have this literal positive and negative movement in our brain and body that is causing this electricity. We have electricity in our heart, right? The SA node, which creates this electrical impulse. So we are electric. We do have this kind of like um, magnetism, this electromagnetism. Obviously it's small, right? Like you're not walking up electrocuting people. Yeah. But Who's to say how that impacts people? Yeah. We don't know. No, I have my brother's um, daughter is three years old and he has two boys, but the middle child's a girl. So I have like a special soft spot for her because I'm the middle child. And so I always, every single time I see her, I go, come here. And then she comes up and I whisper in her ear and I'm like, you are so beautiful. You are so smart. You are so funny. You are so good at sharing. You're the sweetest girl. Like I tell her the same like things every single time I see her. And I'm like, she's only three, but I've been doing it since she was like two. And every single time, as soon as she sees me, she gives me a hug and I'm like, come here. And I tell her in her ear and I'm like, I want her to always hear those things. Like every single time she sees me. I love that so much because we have to pour the positive in because the world's going to pour so much negative. And so she Mm -hmm. has to know solidly, like the people who actually know me, who actually know what I'm about, they love me. They think that I'm all these great things. I love that. Best auntie. Yeah. Best I was like, now I'm just trying to be like the rich auntie so that I can always like come home from Italy right before Christmas with all my gifts. I want to be the the rich auntie too. My girlfriends are over here like, yeah, let's take a trip to Italy in in the next few months. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get my bank account right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't we all I feel you 
Um, can we talk about this? Okay, so like Mother Like Daughter, your show, yes. what can we get a sneak peek of what this, first of all, how did this start? And then, um, yeah, let's get into that. How freaking cool. How awesome. <laughs> yes, phenomenal. We love this for you. Thank you. Well, first of all. Most it, successful person out of Friends Christian, I deem you. Listen, I'll take it. I'll take We got some, yeah. we got some, we got some people. I think, uh, I think this one guy started a clothing line, but, um, I, so mm. I, I had, I worked on a show on own called family or fiance. And so like this other show came up like mother, like daughter, and they were like taking like auditions. And so I was like, you know what? They put me in the mix and I was like, how am I? Cause you know, I've auditioned for things before and not gotten them. And I was like, how am I going to make sure I get this? So I let them know. I was like, you know, I have a mom with a PhD in psychology. She would love to be on this show. And go. once I said that, right, their ears kind of perked up. And I was like, ha ha yes. And, um, and yeah. so a few months later, we got the call. And, you know, that was all she wrote. Filming was beautiful and stressful and amazing and crazy and all of the things. And when the show aired, it was just a really exciting time. And I'm going to tell you something other people know, but the show got canceled during the merger with Warner Brothers and Discovery when what? Discovery bought Warner. So that just, that it didn't just happen. That happened a few months ago. So I'm over it by now, but I'm already doing new things. So good for you. Well, like, okay. The book. Yeah. 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 The, like, okay. Yes. Yeah, what do you have coming up? Yeah. Like there's so many things. I love it. Yes. So the book is hopefully coming soon. It's about when I, you know, what I write and I'm going to stay vague about it right now, but it is mostly about beauty and how important beauty, physical appearance are to our lives and to the people around us. And not in a trivial way either. I think what happens is when we talk about physical appearance, people initially like step back, like, oh, that's vain. Oh, the. Um, and if, in a way, I think we get gaslit into being told, no, the way you look doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, it absolutely does. Unfortunately, it shouldn't, but it does. And so I'm talking about the unfortunate reality that we, especially as women, live in where we are kind of constantly on this tightrope of doing great things, but still being judged based on the way that we look. Hillary Clinton, for example, great candidate, knew what she was talking about. All people talked about was the pantsuit and her, pantsuits and her haircut. You know, right. uh, a woman who's like, you know, get, is getting her, you know, no, a Nobel Prize. And they're like, what are you wearing? Because this is something that society has deemed is important. And so I'm kind of walking this tightrope and there's much more to it. But uh, it is definitely about that and how I am, I'm tired of being gaslit and to being told it doesn't matter. And one of my reasons for it is in addressing some of the things that have happened in the Black community and how, you know, with police shootings and things like that, people don't get shot by the cops because of their character or because of their criminal record. It's because they are seen and instantly assessed. And so appearance can really be life or death for some people. And we as humans have to begin to figure out how to move on beyond that. And I think one of the ways we have to be confronted with it very directly. And so I'm talking about some of the fun light sides and some of the real sides of this, this thing awesome. known as physical appearance. So there's more, but when is that coming out? I got to sit down with my agent and we got to, we got to chat about it. 
Yeah. I know. I think once it comes out, we're gonna have to have you back to oh, do yeah. like a book book discussion. I'll definitely sure. tell you all yeah. about that. that. Is like right up our alley. Yeah, and then yes. I that is like we can't wait to get our hands on it. Oh, I'll send y'all a copy, and then I have a card deck too. I don't have one around me, but I have a deck of cards called the Do You Deck, which basically you pull a card out. I love that, right? And it's pink. I don't know why I don't have one. I always yes. have one up here. Um, and it's pink okay. and it's like, you pull out a card and it has like a lot of my interventions on them, like things that you can do, like reconnect with yourself to be better at being yourself. And if you just do what the cards say over the course of like a few months, then you'll be better at being yourself. So I'm also, those are available now. I love now. that. Okay. Oh, get our that's like those. a good, um, like get Christmas gift. Oh, a stocking right stuffer. Yeah. Let the people know. Ah! Let the yeah, people know. We need the link. Uh, we need a link in our bio for okay, this yeah. episode. We're going to let you. like a good. Absolutely. I'm all like you. about building girl, my mm -hmm. girls up. Yeah. I love that. Thank <sighs> you. Before we leave though, we need to get a good tip. Can you leave a good piece of advice or a life motto, um, with the selfie listeners? Something good. Okay. I'm a nerd. And I, I do like language and Latin. And one of the things that I say to my clients is when kids queasy quit. And what it means is she conquers who conquers herself. So as we learn to process our emotions, to deal with the internal struggle and storm, we get better at everything. And so taking those dives into yourself, even though it might seem and feel really bad, in the moment, ultimately will pay off in the end. So don't be afraid to dive deep. Don't be afraid to investigate the parts of yourself that seem scary and dark. Because like once you conquer that, once you've dealt with that, everything else seems easier. I love wow. that. That's like so oh, powerful. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Dr. Ali, for coming on today. You are a gem of I'm a human being. Well, the fact that we go way back, this is like... <laughs> I know. Who this knew? Is like my favorite interview ever. <laughs> this is I've like literally so crazy. Like you're gonna. In my life. Yeah, I want your like. Give me yeah, all your information. So well. I want everything. Both no, of you. yeah, like no, yeah. We're I we're know. going to drinks. We're gonna be friends. Sure. It's a. Yes. Oh well, thank you so much. Also, shout out. Yes. Okay, all the platforms. Yeah, where, can where can everybody everyone? find you? All the things and all your awesome resources. I mean, Instagram. It's Allison Hicks, and it's spelled weird. A L L Y C I N. It's Dr. Alling on TikTok. And it's AllisonHicks.com. Again, A-L-L-Y-C-I-N. Love that. And we'll have that all linked, guys, yep. for you to find her Absolutely. Oh, you're the best. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Allie. We, we adore you. I adore the two of you, too. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like instantly best friends with her because literally who goes to the same elementary, like junior high school. So funny. Like, honestly, this was such a random situation. Like, we found her and then... All of a On sudden, TikTok. yeah, randomly. And then here we are. I'm like, whoa, what a small world. Like literally. Well, I went to the most small private, like niche community like, or like private Christian school that you could think of. It's yeah. like, how funny. Yeah. I really want to get her cards, the mantra cards. I, I know get those. I, that is a really good Christmas gift. You oh guys. yeah, stocking like, stuffer. Yes, here for this. It's not too late. Like order today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or just in general, that's like a awesome way to start the new year off with those types of vibes and energy. And like, if you're looking to make like, what's one little small positive change I could make in 2023. Oh, sure. And it's like that little, like extra boop of positivity. I love love that. that. Especially going into the new year. Yes. Ooh. Uh, thank you so much. You guys for being here with us today. Make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at C E L L F I E underscore podcast. You can find all of our partners, the goodies, the savings, they're linked in our bio. 
and please leave an uh, Instagram. No, I can't talk. Uh, <laughs> leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you. We love that. And if you drop your IG handle and leave it in the review, we will reach out to you and send you free stuff. Who doesn't love free shit? We love free shit. Love free shit. And make sure you're following us on our Insta. That's at Nurse Tori. And at Hey Samantha with two A's. And we'll catch you on we have one, last, one, one more, one more, one more, last, one more. Last episode for the year. And we're going to drop it on Friday. You guys yes. you get two this week. Yes. Two this week to enjoy over the holidays. Holiday season. Uh, Merry so. Christmas. Happy New Year. See you. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah. Yeah. Happy holidays. We love you guys. And we'll see you then. Love you. Love Bye. You. Bye.